join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card with Discover Cashback Debit. Everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction, eligibility, and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. It, it, the games are never easy when you come against United. United Liverpool is always a, a tough fixture, um, and they've always got a good team, always got good players, so... It's um, you know it's it's never an easy game, and I'm sure it won't be easy on, on Sunday. It's Rog. It's Friday, and we've made it to the end of another week. Barely for me, not gonna lie. It's been a tough one. I think you know why. Everton, the team I live for, are flailing. Bite your arm off just to be flailing, to be honest. I've got few superpowers in my life. But my wife always marvels at the way I remember every single dream I ever have. And all of them are, I've got to be honest, they're quite literal. Last night, I woke up several times from a nightmare, a recurring nightmare, (laughs) in which Everton had to take the field against Frank Lampard's new team. And in the dream, to be clear, it was not evident which team Frank was now managing. And congratulations to him for getting a new job in my dream. But they all that was clear was this was a fellow relegation struggle. This was a big, bloody six-pointer, the daddy of big ones. And Lamps rolled into Goodison Park with a truly woeful mob. And then proceeded to utterly thrash us yes even Frank Lampard battered us and because this was a dream the defeat happened over and over again on repeat I kept waking up going back to sleep having the dream again waking up having a dream over and over and over cyclical and just a shattering night of restless sleep perpetual agony total torment only telling you that because this is my state of mind as we pod in the wake of Arsenal 4, Everton nil, a game, oh God, I was on a flight to Atlanta, hello to all of you in that singularly beautiful city, and I was sitting on the runway, and the plane wasn't taking off, and I got to watch the first 40 minutes as we taxied around the airport, and I've got to say, Everton looked bloody good for the first 40 minutes, we were compact, we had chances, the Arsenal faithful started to get stressed to the max and then the plane trundled down to the runway and took off and I just lost Wi-Fi connection. You've all probably been there where you're watching a football game and then you just lose it like that in a snap. And I only lost connection for a mere five minutes. I think we hit 10,000 feet pretty quickly. The Wi-Fi on the plane kicked in. I logged back on eagerly. Could I catch a couple of minutes before halftime? And I did and somehow... Everton, when I clicked back in, were bedraggled, 
confused, most certainly beaten and defeated, 2-0 down, the Emirates rocking. And I was just agog, thinking, really, the logical thought, what, was this all my fault? It probably was. The only real joy I had this week was was your reaction, dear listeners, to my conversation with Premier League Poet Laureate Peter Drury. Really magnificent conversation, if you haven't heard it. It's in our pod feed this week. Um, and he's such a beautiful bloke, such a humble bloke. His approach to commentary is really his approach to life, which is take, not a second, for granted. Actually, he had a couple of ravens from people who've listened to that podcast and then handed in their resignation letters, like Peter Drury did, to pursue their true dream, like Peter Drury did also. Love to know how that all goes. Encourage. I do want to begin by raising my third first bud of the day to one of the greatest FA Cup shocks of all time. Fortier Grimsby Town defeated Southampton 2-1 to advance to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And the Mariners did it in the best of ways with community spirit and a lot of fish. Because Grimsby is a big fishing town, big oyster town, and the fans actually have a chant. Fish! Clap, clap, clap! Fish! And if you don't believe me, Here it is. The club's mascot is Harry the Haddock, an inflatable fish that thousands of fans have brought to the game since the 80s. is a common sight at all their matches. God speed to them. Grimsby Town, you're all that's good about football. Okay, sting me up. Producer Sophie. You're listening to WGFOP, The Ball. Here's your host, Roger Bennett. That was There's Your Hero by the great Stephen Thorne in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to WGFOP Weekend Preview, the show that has as much swagger and sex appeal as a victorious Eric Ten Hag post-match dad dance. Call us at 646-450-9472 with your best questions. I will give a patch to the finest one all week and you could hear your voice on next week's show. Question me up. Hey, Raj, this is Dan from the soccer hotbed of Murray, Kentucky. Um, I'm a Portland Timbers, Portland Thorns, and Liverpool fan, and that's kind of what my question is. Uh, unfortunately, I got laid off yesterday, but my day was made better by Liverpool scoring and winning at home. And seeing Jurgen Klopp's smile as he walked up the tunnel just made the day a little more sweet. Um, as someone who has only became a Liverpool fan during their 2019 Champions League run, um, this is my first time really not uh, not winning everything. Um, do I have hope of seeing my team in the Europa League next year, or is this just too big of a hill to climb with a lack of consistency? Thanks, Rod, for keeping me and many other uh, friends of the program um, in high spirits. Cheers. Dan, the soccer hotbed of Murray, Kentucky. That thrills me. Best Murray since Glenn. But there's also so much darkness. I'm so sorry about your job. I wish you strength. I wish you love. And the belief that trouble 
can always bring with it opportunity. I do love your line about Jurgen Klopp, though. He is at his heart far more than just a Premier League manager. He really is hope and joy in corner. I've often said that during the pandemic when he spoke such wisdom and such just sane wonder when everyone else was losing their heads. He's like some kind of giant Teutonic Care Bear, a nourishing life force, like one of the last sensible people left in England. And, you know, I actually said this to proper Liverpool fan, John Green, this week. I am rooting for Jurgen Klopp. I really am. Because, yes, I know I'm an Everton fan and I'm meant to hate him by default. But life's too short for hate. And I do believe it will be very dismal as a human being if Klopp's light is one that ultimately does go out. And I say this ahead of Liverpool against Manchester United, the weekend's big game, Sunday, 11.30am Eastern Time on USA, which is in modern football, always the big one. Here's Jurgen Klopp, musing on the United sudden surging return to form. Yeah, great. United is doing well. Oh. I didn't miss them. <laughs> <laughs> Lols. Yep, United are doing well. And Liverpool this season, they've been confusingly lost. First time, it seems, for you, Dan, and so many newer Liverpool fans. But while the club have so much history and tradition, and their modern reality really has been one of pomp and spectacle and authenticity, but the club has had experienced long spells without wonder. Witness the Hicks and Gillette era. Still my favourite Liverpool owners, those two. Two North American idiots who wandered into Anfield in 2007 promising they take great care of the team they idiotically kept referring to, without irony, as the Liverpool Reds. I think they thought it was like Cincinnati. And they battled with manager Rafa Benitez. They tried to hire Jürgen Klinsmann, I crap you not. Ended up appointing Roy Hodgson. God love him. Totally lost up north. Still my favourite Liverpool manager all time. And Roy dragged them down to 12th place after a string of hilariously misfiring signings as a club vid to within hours of bankruptcy. And I say that because there have been many lows in modern times for Liverpool. Yes, they were the gold standard of world football when I was a kid. Late 70s, early 80s, Liverpool weren't bloody everything. Often, always, champions of Europe, champions of England. But then it dried up. That 30-year gap, remember, between league titles, that was the ultimate symbol of that. And the club, so proud of its tradition, so proud of its heritage... Honestly, too proud because when the Premier League was founded in the early 90s and turned the economics of English football from local business to global super brand, Liverpool were too proud to cotton on. They were too slow. Manchester United charged in, usurped them. As Fergie would always say, knock them off their perch. Hence why this clash, Liverpool, Manchester United, two traditional northern powerhouses, cities that are true rivals culturally. Think of the bands that have emerged from both places in commerce, in history, politically, within England, but most massively always through their football. This is the game. This is the game. And Liverpool's resurgence over the past couple of years, which has really coincided with the growth of the game's profile in the United States has meant there's so many new Reds who've only known the return to relevance, the return to loftiness under Klopp. And Liverpool, with that proud tradition, that spectacle, you'll never walk alone before the game, which, you know, so many of you have written in and said it's like SEC football meets soccer. 
American fans, you wanted a route for an up-and-comer when you were new. And Liverpool over-index in terms of the support here. There are so many like you, Dan, who've only known this Liverpool, who win things, who challenge, who dominate, who cut teams apart. Not this strange beast we've seen carrying the corner for much of the season. Old, vulnerable, lost, and very, very mortal. It's time to change. New players take time to bed in, and in our social media age, we are hysterically quick to condemn Darwin right off Gakpo. You have Firmino leaving, which was announced today at the end of the season, which means Liverpool's teeth will be 78% less white next season. And this new era is coming fast to Liverpool. Klopp's going to have to architect it, which is not something he's had to do or not been able to do in his career before. Can Liverpool make Europa? You know, could they make Champions League? Look, I know from experience, we write Liverpool off at our peril. Never. Schadenfreude too early is a big football idiom that I've just invented because neither Spurs nor Newcastle are particularly convincing right now. Liverpool fans will pray their team have turned another corner midweek against Wolves and they're doing more than just merely circling the block. But Lord, that win against Wolves, we saw glimpses of the slick team back to front football which recently sank all comers. Wolves have come back. When conceding first, and notably last time on Merseyside, when they visited Everton, they're under pressure here. Unit, full steam ahead, looking for Salah! Oh, the old Liverpool, yes! And the key is the restored confidence of Mo Salah, who's now quietly hit astonishingly 20 goals this season as he has in each of his six at Anfield. An incredible nine in his last five games against United. Know this, Dan, no one thunders into sixth place louder than Liverpool Football Club. And one last word on Klopp. Hearing him talk about Marcus Rashford, the striker he's about to face this weekend, but still finding it within his soul to talk about him in such beautiful terms. This... This is why we love Jurgen Klopp. Let's take a listen. First of all, it's, like, it's difficult, as, a, as a, a, I would say, pretty much impossible to be happy about something positive at Man United when you are the Liverpool manager. I'm here for seven and a half years, so it's not that I watch them and hope they win or whatever. But to be honest, I'm really happy for Rashford uh, because he had a very difficult last year um, where he obviously was not performing on the level he, he um, he's able to perform. And I knew uh, this will change again, but sometimes in life you don't have enough time to change it. But here he was, and now he's playing incredible. So his speed, his technique, the, the mix-up of everything, um, how calm he is now in front of the goal. Um, he's caused worldies, he's caused the simple ones, he's there, he has to put his head in, all these kind of things. Next question. Raj, Rob Nees here, Oakville, Ontario, Manchester United fan. And it's precisely about that that I'm calling you this morning in early March. In the decade or so since Sir Alex retired, we Red Devil supporters have lived through numerous false dawns, like winning the Europa League under Mourinho, or the good vibes of Ole at the wheel, but also some of my own personal lowest of the lows as a fan, such as the Super League fiasco or the horrendous Mason Greenwood situation. Now, with the Carabao Cupity Cup Cup in hand, and a reasonable chance of adding to that silverware this very season. Legendary local lad Rashford in world-beating form and the prospect of an end to the Glazer family's ghoulish ownership 
perennial champion, noisy neighbor, staring down the barrel of some serious financial fair play sanctions. Are the stars aligning? Are we back? Rodders, hello Ontario, and to all our Canadian listeners, big love. What an incredible time to be a Manchester United fan after so many false dawns, so many false saviours at the wheel. I admire so much what Eric Ten Hag's done to take charge of an out-of-control commercial culture at United, to tame it, to expel a club legend, the biggest shadow caster in world football. What he's done is an incredible case study in transformational leadership. And his team arrive at Anfield, a place where they have not won for over seven long years. But Jurgen Klopp himself called Casemiro Fred et al. a results machine and is totally aware that they will charge him fearlessly, wielding their shiny new Carabao Cup as if it is the Ark of the Covenant itself. And I see in Ten Hag just a man of discipline, of tactical acumen, man management, able to change games in the course of a second half with self-correcting substitutions and most of all, a modesty and a humility. But just as importantly, in Casemiro, a leader on the field, who imbues the rest of his team with the quality and the values and will to win that Ten Hag is desperate to inculcate on that pathway back to glory. Listen to Gary Neville talk about Casemiro, who some United fans are already comparing in terms of his arrival and the impact to the legendary Eric Cantona in a way one man can change the mood and the values of an entire squad. We, we talk about him a lot now, but what Casemiro has done um, to that dressing room and to that team is 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 off the scale. I mean, there was a there was a freaky on the left hand side that Bruno Fernandez had at one point, and Pat Casemiro went and told him, pointed to the the spot. I don't know if anybody remembers it. It was about 10, 15 minutes to go, and said, "Put it there," and I'm going to head it. And he Bruno put it there, and he actually went and headed it, and the, the goalkeeper saved it. But he just looks at this moment in time like he's in complete control of that team. He looks like he's such a dominant force. What we are watching is real. Rodders, United are back. The takeover rumbles are the one disquiet in the background that glazes out sentiment strong as ever. Even when United win, especially when they win, the fans sing that glazes out. But right now, United are good. They're annoyingly good. And I'm honestly so happy for all the United fans in my life. It's been very, very surreal. It's been quite dark, humanly, to watch them just lost for so long. Savour every second. You sing your Fred songs. And men and Blazers, we like to believe more is more when it comes to football. Less Everton are playing, in which case, oh, less is always more. But one thing you can do to enhance even the Everton watching experience is to visit the GFOPs at Prize Picks. They're America's number one fantasy sports app. Test your skills on Prize Picks this season. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you've got the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Tappity taps, mostly just picking what categories you want Everton players to disappoint you in and smashing the less. thing I love about prize picks is, is how simple it is to use. They're now offering Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this soccer season. 
No more ferreting around in your wallet for that security code on your credit card that the computer never saves. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's promo code MIB. Price picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. It's Rog here to tell you about a product that I simply adore. It's been a long-time staple in the Bennett refrigerator, Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. Always bold, always smooth. Yes, that is the very same Stoke as in the mighty Wrexham Fortress, known as the Stoke Kairas or the Stoke Racecourse, Wrexham AFC's home. They support it. They support football, which is just one great reason to love this coffee. It is my go-to enjoy during the football calendar, essentially the opposite of Everton. And you can check out their full lineup of 48 ounce cold brew products, seven for everybody from light to dark roast to seasonal favourites in a refrigerated multi serve format. I tell you this, as someone whose blood type is now officially Stoke Espresso Blend, have the coffee house experience in the comfort of your own home and do it now. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee and be sure to follow Wrexham AFC. Big love to all at Stoke. Courage. Hey, Raj. This is Doug from New York City by way of Pasadena and Philly. Lifelong Gunners fan and spirits are high, yet cautious. With spring training baseball back in full swing, it had me thinking, should the Premier League allow for an entrance song to be played when Rob Holding gets called up from the bullpen to close out a game? If they did, what song would be played for the man with luscious locks of hair? Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Doug. Oh. Life's incredible for you as your team face Bournemouth Saturday 10am Eastern Time after exacting midweek vengeance upon Everton on the scale previously only known to Liam Neeson in Taken 1, 2 and 3. The lead over Manchester City is up to 5 points with 13 games just to play. Fulham, Liverpool, Newcastle, those are the big opponents still to face. The game in hand is no longer. City away still looms 26th of April but... The ineffable title glory is starting to feel oh so very real. So your big tactical questions, they're essentially down to Rob Holding's hair. One of the greatest and most heroic recoveries in world football. Rob Holding, bald AF for years. And now I bet even Jack Grealish would look at Holding with hair envy. So what should he march out to? Maybe Sexy Boy, Shawn Michaels, WWF walkout song. Honestly, the reality is Arsenal don't need walkout songs this year. They are top of the fan song table. The Saka song, and then along with Emil Smith Rowe, you got the Saliba chant, and that new Saka one set to Bowie is an absolute banger. There's a star boy running down the right. His name's Bukayo Saka, and he's effing dynamite. But if we really need one, if we're really doing Rob Holding, Walkout music, I'd probably go Devil's Haircut by Beck. Got a devil's haircut in my mind. 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 Next question. Yo, Raj, it's Jack uh, from San Luis Obispo, California, um, and I'm a Chelsea supporter. Uh, Steve Sampson country, uh, that's what we call it around here. Now, I've been thinking about Chelsea, and uh, obviously things are about to get really bad. Well, they'll get worse. Um, no Champions League next year, I'm assuming. 
Um, and it's got me thinking, you know, is that really such a bad thing? I think that there may be some benefit for not qualifying for Champions League um, and just playing less games in general, you know, less strain on the team. And since Chelsea just spent all their money to buy these players, we won't have Champions League next season, but we'll still have a really good squad. Is there some advantage uh, to not qualifying for Champions League? Obviously, there's less money um, with no Champions League spot, but that doesn't really seem to matter for Chelsea. But yeah, is there any advantage to not qualifying for Champions League? Less games played in total. Uh, thanks. Have a good one. Jack, oh, up there in Steve Sampson territory. Yes, there is that school of thought that you postulate in that I'm essentially grasping at the silver lining of a season of chaotic mediocrity. That Yeah, let's lose the rest of the games. Let's lose to Dortmund and get out of the Champions League. It'll give Graham Potter and his squad a chance to play out the season without pressure, find a rhythm, etc., etc. Bollocks, blah, blah, yes. Terrible seasons in Chelsea's past, like 2015-16, led to the team being able to go strong. Next one, under Antonio Conte, just focus on the league campaign with no distractions, trophies in shoe. But Chelsea doesn't work like that, really, does it? You don't want that, you don't will it. The fans have been conditioned by Roman Abramovich to see winning or failure. Those are the two options. That is the mentality at the club. And you also have the added complication that Todd Bully spent so much money this season failing to qualify for the Champions League. What is it, like $107 million revenue that the Champions League brings could lead to massive financial fair play challenges. But above all, you know, a reset works according to the theory. Let's have a reset when there's alignment at the club, a trust, a belief, a strategy. And right now, there is no alignment anywhere to be found at Chelsea Football Club. The board, chaos and madness. Spotlight grabbing. The manager, lost, lonely. Players, just strategyless. So without change and a plan, there will be no reset. You need a true football brain at the heart of Chelsea operations. That's what I think. But God bless you, Jack. And to magical thinking. Next question. Good morning, Raj. It's your old friend, Don Teal, calling you from the Bronx. As you know, I'm a lifelong Arsenal fan, but I don't have an Arsenal question today. My question for you is, if the American experiment at Leeds fails and Leeds get sent down, do you think that could negatively impact the opportunity for future American players in the Premier League? Will they look at that and say that these guys aren't tough enough, aren't strong enough, don't have the mentality, or will those players get dispersed to other teams? I'm hoping that Leeds stay up for this experiment to work, but I'm curious your thoughts. Love you. Miss you. Donnie Steele, you beautiful human being. We wish you continued strength and health as you fight back from the darkness of chemotherapy. You are an inspiration to all of us, my friend. And we look forward to raising a beer with you bloody soon. And you're asking this question at a good time because Leeds, a.k.a. the real Club America, head down to London to face Chelsea and their reportedly fit again Christian Pulisic, who's back. He's back with a beard, one that makes him look a little bit like the bastard offspring of Jorginho and Havertz. Will Christian take the field so we can see a repeat 
of his heartwarming post-match conversations with Brendan and Tyler Adams and maybe even Weston too now, in which they all talk with their hands over their mouths in the way that only elite footballers do. But what you're asking is a great question. American players and their stock in Europe, you know, just like life is up and down, moments of strength, moments of darkness, social football. Look, look at Tyler Adams' journey. When I started podcasting with Tyler this time last year, Jen was on the periphery of the Leipzig squad. And now he's blazing away at the Leeds and he's the national team captain with so many other clubs looking at him. And I think it's just a reminder of one thing and one thing only, which is about patience as fans, because I think the American player stock is now very high as a totality on the men's side. We are seen here in the United States as a plentiful resource, a territory where talent exists, raw talent, cheap bets can be made by clubs looking to uncover a bargain they can sell on. And in this austerity age, American players represent great value. That's where we are. I am not worried. It's irrelevant what Leeds do in terms of American player standing. It's not like the coach issue, which is very bloody different. But the one thing I do think this season proves is that we in America look at European football through the bubble of our dreams. The way the way we pump up Serginho Dest as if he's the next Alfonso Davies or better. We talk about Tim Weyer as if he's, well, George Weyer and Christian, of course, the LeBron James of football. There's a blind spot we have, a self-deception, a willful self-deception in which our dreams bleed with reality and it impacts all of us. Look, January 25th, Weston McKinney, just over a month ago, was leaving Juventus and Alexi Lalas tweeted, I like the idea of Weston going to the Premier League, but I think he is better than Leeds. And a month later, Alexi Lalas is saying this. I'm not concerned. Um, it's maybe we had unrealistic expectations about what was ultimately going to come out of a World Cup, as successful as it was or as successful as it could have been. Unrealistic expectations. Who would have thought? Short of it is, I don't think Leeds will go down. And if they do, Tyler won't stay. There's a lot of teams looking at him, a lot of teams. And American players are, and will be just fine. Oh, the sweetest sound. Next question. Hey, Raj. It's Will Gooner here, calling from Charlottesville, Virginia. Born and raised in the north suburbs of Chicago, Nutria alum, obviously a Gunner fan. Question for you. Did you actively seek out an airplane ride this week during the total embarrassment shutdown of your boys in blue? Or is this just some devious strategy of yours, thinking you're more unlikely to get hit by an invisible asteroid at 30,000 feet? Courage, Raj courage. Hello, Will. Wahoo wah. I love that question. Send me an email with your postal address. You have got question of the week and I'm sending you a patch. You know, I did get a text. Your question made me remember this from my second son, Bear, who is obsessed, obsessed with Everton Football Club, never misses a second. And remember, I'm on that plane and right before kickoff, Bear texts me with an admission, a guilty admission, series of texts. I'm not watching Everton. Bing. 
I'm just going to get really mad. Ping. I'm going to watch like the first 15 minutes and I keep checking my phone, but I've got to go to lacrosse and I don't feel like getting all depressed. And I got those, what is it, three texts and emotionally I was shocked, but rationally I was bloody impressed with my son, his approach to life. Look, life is too short to keep doing things that bring you down. I really believe that. You know, Steve Kerr, on my show said to me, and I love this, that Greg Popovich taught him, life is too short to spend time around dickheads. And it's true. And yet, I watch Everton. And I feel the compulsion to witness and experience and suffer through every single moment. It is without doubt the most masochistic thing I do. And your question is a good one, honestly. I felt so sucker punched when I tuned back in on the aeroplane and found Everton were 2-0 down. Really, even worse at the final whistle because Arsenal was so bloody dominant. It was a 4-0 loss. It could have been 40-0. The quality gap was that evident. So in a funny way, the loss made me ache. But somehow not seeing it, that crucial five minutes where we, we just wilted, we buckled, we just jumped off the ledge and just spiralled into the abyss, not seeing it. I've got to be honest, it did make it less painful. Like when you go to a funeral, and the casket goes into the, the incinerator, and the doors slide before it starts burning. The coffin, you know, it's burning. You know there's a corpse in there that's been turned into ashes, but not seeing it. The not seeing it part, I realised... In that Arsenal-Everton game, it's important for your mental health. And I say that before we go again, Nottingham Forest against Everton, Sunday 9am Eastern Time on USA Channel. Oh, the Rog, Ariel Helwani, Derby. Forest, yes, may have been smashed themselves last weekend by lowly West Ham, but we are another level of mid entirely. I think we scored, what is it, 17 goals in 25 games I may never see a Premier League goal in my lifetime again. I do fear at the full-time whistle. There's a four-point gap right between us and Forest, but they do thrive at home. It feels like a chasm. And I'm starting to fear that I'll be channeling Jake Paul come full-time and telling myself that humiliating defeat doesn't matter because, well, listen to Jake Paul. And look, I've already won in life, man. I've already won. I've won in every single way. I have an amazing family, amazing friends, uh, amazing work ethic. I've made it farther than I ever thought that I would and, and beyond. We move. During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware.com deals. That's alienware.com slash deals.
New Year's is now in the rearview mirror. By now, some of the excitement about our New Year's resolutions may be dying down, much like my excitement for Chelsea Football Club as we get further and further into the season. If you're looking for performance apparel that can help give you the extra push you need to keep up with your health goals, Viore has you covered. Viore creates incredibly versatile and comfortable activewear designed to look great in everyday life in and out of the gym, or in my case, on or off the tennis court. Plus, Viore is 100% off setting their carbon footprint by offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 and beyond. They are utilizing better sustainable materials for their products, empowering your best active life. With Viore, you can feel good about the things you buy and also how they are made. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash MIB. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash MIB. Not only Will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns? Trust me, go to viore.com slash MIB and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Raj, this is Bridget. (laughs) I'm from Boston, and I would just like to thank you for everything that Everton hasn't done for you and everything they've done for us. Um, Yeah, it's a shame, but at least I was just going to say, at least you won't get relegated. <sighs> well, thank you. Bridget. Oh, I've listened to your message a dozen times. The way you laughed after you said your own name gave me such joy. I love that. The ability to laugh at everything is a lovely thing. It's a real weapon in life. I liked rather less your brilliant line about everything Everton hasn't done for me and even lesser the at least you won't get relegated line because, well, I'm beginning to highly doubt it. Pray for me, Bridget. Next question. Hey, Raj. My name's Tim, uh, Stanford, Connecticut area. I actually grew up in the Bedford area and I'm a Chicago Bears fan, funny enough. I've always kept an eye on the Premier League from afar, but over the last couple of years, I've definitely become an avid watcher. I'm on the hunt for a club to back and went to a local bar the other weekend to watch Liverpool and Newcastle, and it was flooded with Liverpool fans. So my buddy and I felt pretty tempted to join the madness and become Reds fans. Two-part question for you. One, I've been doing a ton of research, uh, but any recommendations on how to pick a club to back? And then two, do we really think this is the makings of a Liverpool collapse and reset that take years to fix, like you hear some people saying, or are they more so a few good summer signings away from competing in the top four again? Courage. Thanks. Tim, oh, in that big NBC and CBS sports town of Stamford, Connecticut, welcome to football, Tim. There are so many new fans who've surged towards the game post-World Cup, and we get this question... Are getting the question a ton since Lionel Messi's heroic journey. And normally, when I recommend a team, I always have historically said, Welcome to Everton! But I wouldn't do that to you now, Tim. Friends don't let friends watch Highlander 2. So I'd say Leeds. But, you know, I wouldn't do that either until they're safe. So part of me will say what I always say, Tim. If you can sit with doubt and uncertainty and everyone can do that to different levels, do it. 
and one of those teams will find you for a reason big or small and you'll become from not knowing this team or this town or this fan base or the songs or the culture or the tradition you'll become obsessed and devoted and it's a wonderful it's a bloody wonderful thing but if you have to go now if you cannot wait there's two teams I admire so much for for really winning and building in the Premier League, which is an unforgiving task. They do it the right way with brains and strategy and vision and an idea of football that's audacious, taking risks in their team building. Brentford oh, and Brighton, oh, double oh, the bees and the seagulls. You can't go wrong with either team. No matter what happens, there's so much to feel proud about, Tim. Tell us where this goes for you. I am eager to know. And that's it for today. Pray for Rog. God, at the end of some week, one dominated for us here. We shot the, the pilot episode of Hurt Gomez's new podcast, Vamos, which launches next week. It's a show designed to cover every important storyline that emerges from our magical kingdom of CONCACAF. It's been incredible to work on with a really smart team led by producer Juan Castro. And we also taped a pair of conversations over a slice of wonder. JJ Watt going deep on Chelsea. And in what I think is one of the most important pods we will record this year, Canadian phenom Janine Becky spent an early morning with me to talk through the agony and challenge of her Olympic gold medal winning Canadian women's national team having to fight now for equality against their own federation. I love this conversation. I'm going to leave you with a taste of it because... Janine is so bloody inspiring. This is Rog saying, let's make great memories together through football. And here is Janine Becky, a great Canadian to all of you in Canada and around the world fighting this fight. Big love and courage. Last question for you. The brilliantly thoughtful OL Reign player, Bethany Bolsa, she tweeted yesterday, it's funny how federations think they have all the power, but little do they know that players with a united front hold it all. Do you agree? 100%. I think when you see players playing for federations that do it the right way, you get really incredible outcomes. And you get winners, and you get fans, and you get all of the good things that football has to offer. But when you get federations that find some ways to misstep along the way or have, you know, systemic missteps. Um, You see the effects of that. And I'm so glad in a lot of ways that we live in a world where people are starting to feel comfortable speaking up about their mental health. Obviously, there's another side to it that gives other people the opportunity to have their opinions on your mental health, which I don't agree with. But for players to feel like they finally have the right and the power to speak up for themselves and say, no, I'm not going to, this is not right. I don't deserve this. She's 100% right. The power lies with all the players because if there's no players, there's no federation. And if the players don't want to play, if your best players don't want to play, your federation's never going to be successful. So when a, when a federation has players saying, I'm not going to show up, that is the biggest red flag. And I'll tell you, There's players on this team that have been dealing with this for their entire careers, and it's taken this long for them to get to the point where they stand up and say, I'm not doing this anymore. And I hope for other players 
that one, they don't have to deal with this, but two, if they do, they feel the inspiration to speak up sooner because no one should have to go through 12, 15 years of their national team careers and deal with systemic mistreatment. I hope that this fight inspires those players to speak up for what they deserve and to not play if that's what it takes because the truth comes comes out um, you know, when players speak up and when players decide to, to, to like Bethany said, um, find their empowerment together. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking, what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami? There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.